The Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD. Blending business and politics with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning. Welcome to the Jen Charlton Show. I'm so excited to have you guys here. And we are trying to make a difference here. And when you look at all of the things going on in the world today, there are a couple of things we know are true. First of all, as a fundamental foundation, elections have consequences. And therefore, elections matter. And everything we're dealing with is born out of that. Because if you have somebody elected who is not a constitutionalist, you start right there eroding the health and vitality of a nation. Because if you're a constitutionalist, you're concerned about your sovereignty. If you're a constitutionalist, you're concerned about your personal rights and freedoms. And when I say a constitutionalist, I'm assuming we're all in agreement. I mean the United States Constitution and the, in our case, Maryland Constitution, or for those who are listening in Pennsylvania, your Constitution, whatever those governing documents are. And the first and foremost is the Constitution of the United States of America. Everything is subject to that. And whatever's not in that may get covered in other local or state documents. And to the, for the most part, we are of the opinion, on my side, that we want a smaller government and most government should be handled at the local and state levels. But there's some governing things, basic principles that, that supersede and oversee all things. Right now we're in the legislative session for Maryland, and I'm assuming many across the country. So wherever you're listening, I want you to take away a couple things from today. One, your voice matters, even if your vote doesn't. Now, that's a hard thing to say, but we got to get real. Because I have people who tell me, oh, but we're two-thirds blue. Republicans. No, we're not. They cheated. So until we start to get real that the voter rolls are inflated, we have multiple people registered at laundromats and restaurants and so forth to vote. That's not a legal residential address. It does not give that individual or their identity or the fake thereof the ability to vote. Therefore, that number that's assigned to them, and there is a number in the voter rolls, there is a number for that individual, that number cannot be used legally, period. It's not complicated. There's a number of bills right now we're going to cover today on election integrity in the second half. And I've got a guest here, Kat, who's going to be on with us. But before we go to that, we have to deal with one of the other fundamental rights is we have the right to bear arms. Why? To fight against tyranny if we must. Why? Because our freedom matters. And we are the governed. We're not minions, subjects of a small select group of elitists who think that they know better than us. In Annapolis or in D.C. Annapolis 
has gotten so liberal, frankly, under the leadership, air quotes, of Hogan. We've gone so far progressive left that we've lost control of any sense of sanity or constitutional rights in the state of Maryland. One of which is a bill that we're going to discuss today will say you you shall carry in your car, in your home, but forget going into a restaurant, a place of business, a place, you know, where you feel you may need protection. If you feel like you have the right and the need to, to carry and you shall carry because that's the constitutional right, you don't get to start restricting and eking away and, and acid down what that looks like. Against the SCOTUS opinion, shall carry reigns over all because it's a constitutional thing. You don't get to muck with that, Maryland. It's very crystal clear. Shall carry. Simple. It's not complicated. You must voice your opinions to the legislators, and I was going to say the powers that be, which is an unfortunate reality because they are controlling us. We're not controlling them. They're controlling us. And we are one election away from losing our country. Make no mistake. So the election integrity laws and voter ID is critical and imperative to our survival as a nation. Critical and imperative. That's a very strong statement. And I mean every syllable. So if you think that those legislators are there because you put them there, you're living in la-la land. It just ain't so. Now, that's very upsetting. What do you mean my vote doesn't count? What do you mean my vote doesn't matter? We really have trouble reconciling that because we live in la-la land. And we believe that, no, we live in the great United States of America and we have open elections, open, free and fair. No, we don't. There is evidence. There is data. They're reconciling now. You ready for this? The voter rolls against, ready, tax documents for property. You can't live in the post office, quote, as a voter. You, you can't have an ID in a laundromat and have a vote, period. They're also finding that some of these addresses are a digit or a letter off. They mail out that ballot. It comes back as, as an irregular or improper address, but it's still in the voter system available for assigning that value, that vote, as they wish. So we, uh, we need to stop perpetuating the narrative called we are two-thirds blue. I spoke with a legislator, I won't say who it is, who said, oh, but we're two-thirds blue. No, we're not. Stop saying that because you're uninformed and you're, you're perpetuating a myth and a lie that is taking down our country. We're trying to get this content so you can access it and share it. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. Welcome back. This is Jen. It's great to have you here on the Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. And 
I have with me this morning Dana Schultz. And Dana and I got to know each other working on the Dan Cox campaign. And she is a a fabulous woman and a patriot. And I wanted to introduce her again to you. She was with us last week. And we are tracking what's going on on these gun bills and election integrity. Good morning, Dana. Welcome back. Hello. Good morning, Jen. Thank you for having me. I wanted to ask you, what had you get involved in all this? And what's your background, really, so people understand really who you are? Well, I uh, love America. I served in the Air Force. I fought for our country. My friends died so that we would have the freedom to vote, the freedom to carry arms, freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, freedom to practice our religion, freedom to think and to uh, speak out. And uh, when I saw the uh, direction of our country, I just knew that I had to get involved to do something. When you talk to other veterans, do they feel like you do? Yes, absolutely. Uh, The people that I talk to are uh, very sad to see the deterioration in our nation and the minority uh, speak out so loudly and also the influence from outside of our great nation uh, trying to tear us down, telling us lies that... um, We don't get along, that we fight. One of the great strengths of America is that we can agree to disagree. We have the freedom of thought. And even though we feel differently, we think differently, we work together, we love each other, and we support each other. And that's the truth. And the lies are coming in to divide us, and uh, they're from outside of our nation. Well, they sure are effective. You know, and, you know, you talk about divided and Biden was going to bring us together. Oh, my goodness. What a bunch of bunk that was. So, you know, we're as divided as we ever were. And it had nothing to do with Trump. It had nothing to do with Trump. So people need to stop blaming Trump for the division. It's disgusting to see people who don't question the narrative and have that freedom of thought and actually use it. Lemons, you know, the lemons going off the cliff, you know, just following the narrative, just following the masses, just going along to get along. That has been so pervasive in our last couple of years that we are now at a point where we're just okey-dokes. Okey-doke, do this. Okey-doke, don't do this. (laughs) Okey-doke. You know, and it's it's pathetic because that's not who we are. We are we are innovators. We are philosophers. We challenge the status quo, to be better than the status quo. So let's talk about these bills, because what's going on in Annapolis is, in my view, it's criminal. I mean, you can't just keep trashing our constitutional rights and call it legislation. So when we look at these gun bills, do you, can we go ahead and start there? There's a number of House bills. Now, we covered last week the Senate bills. So today I want to really talk about the House bills, and some of them are now in in a crossover status, which is um, means that both are taking it up, which means they're likely to get through. So I'm not a you know expert on this process, but you know things start in the committee. What you want to try and do is head things off at the pass in the committee so that we don't get to a point of where they're voting on it, because quite frankly, this legislature is nearly communistic in its philosophies really it's at least socialist 
you know, they're, they're this notion of mandates and you have you must comply and all of this stuff that wipes out our personal freedoms is all the way it's going in Annapolis. So we definitely want to keep it from getting to that point. So what are your thoughts on a couple of these? I'm going to read them off. We've got House Bill 0159. So House Bill 159, criminal procedure, warrantless arrest, straw purchase participant. Then we have House Bill 162. That's the voluntary firearms registry. So that's where you contact them. I read this one. You you contact them and say, yeah, I don't think I should be given the right to have bear arms. So I'm going to put myself voluntarily on this list to say that I'm not allowed to have firearms in case I get the notion to go get a firearm. It's kind of an absurd thing, I think. Um any thoughts about that one? Sure. I actually was able to uh, look up House Bill 0159 through Maryland Shall Issue. Their website tracks bills. And I've also been active this week on the Maryland General Assembly website, and I've been able to testify. I highly recommend that people go to mgaleg.maryland.gov. It's my uh, it's Maryland General Assembly legislative.maryland.gov website, and you can track the bill, and you can. Sign and what does up that tell to, people? Because I don't I think we know more about it than maybe the average listener. What does it mean to track a bill? The website is really beautiful. It's free. You just create an account, and you can look at exactly where the bill is. So when it goes through this process. You can track where it is and what the status of that bill is. So let's talk about HB 167 firearms. It would have no restrictions for medical marijuana users. In other words, right now, if you have a medical marijuana card, you're not be able to carry or probably even get a handgun qualification permit, what we call an HQL. So they're talking about now removing that restriction and allowing people with a medical marijuana card to have a firearm. Accurate? I am not as familiar with that bill. Okay. All right. Very good. And then next is HB 259. And it's okay that we're not familiar because, listen, (laughs) some of us will read these bills more than the legislator will. How sad is that? Okay. So HB 259 is a cross bill with the Senate bill of 113 on civil actions, public nuisances, and firearms um, industry. So that one is one to, to really keep an eye on because it's in both chambers, okay? Now, the last one is the HB364, which is a handgun permit. So what's happening because of this shall issue has been validated, let's call it, by SCOTUS, by the Supreme Court of the United States, the handgun permit laws, they're working to change that because some of that is now old language because it falls under the shall issue and it, it eviscerates some of these other points within that handgun permit. So they're talking about repealing some of those requirements for that permit, which is appropriate because you're now updating your laws to be consistent with the Supreme Court ruling and the shall issue. So I think the biggest issue we have right now is you can carry, but you can't carry it anywhere. And my concern is, and listen, is it appropriate that 
regular people don't carry on a on a school property um maybe i think that there are some people i would really like to be able to carry on a school property because they are what we call safe zones but they're also soft targets so when you have a place that is prohibited and they don't have appropriate security that can defend these kids now you're a soft target some of these mall shootings if they say well you can't bring it on the property anybody going to a mall is a sitting duck if somebody opens fire thoughts about that i think that uh citizens who have training to to carry and gun owners are very cognizant of the issues and responsible gun owners are trained they understand the repercussions of weapons and uh, we teach our children to uh, respect the weapons it's the criminals who um, they don't have permits they're going to continue to carry the guns and it's up to uh, citizens to be able to protect ourselves that's our right so what are your thoughts on teachers having uh firearms well i would say that if a teacher is trained and understands the repercussions and how to use a a firearm then they are going to be able to keep those children safe themselves and the children if a shooter comes in they're going to be able to um protect themselves and take out the threat yes so the question then is why do they keep conjuring up these laws that protect the bad guys i know that's a crazy question for somebody who's like question (laughs) well one of the things that i noticed in reading the bills this week and i read through uh multiple different bills on environment, transportation, uh, firearms. And the thing that really stood out to me is the language and the verbiage that is creeping in. It's abhorrent to me that we have Agenda 2030 language in almost every bill. And so it's easy as a citizen to go in and just see this terminology and realize, okay, um, we can Okay, hold on. But I think you need to explain that because people may or may not know what you mean. When you say Agenda 2030 language, can you be specific about what that is and why it's relevant? So Agenda 2030 language is from the United Nations 2030 Agenda. And when you go on and read that, it sounds great. However, the outcome is not what Americans want. It's not freedom. It's over uh, overruling by the government. And basically, the government provides everything, and the citizens don't have any decisions. And some of the uh, language is sustainable development, equity. Equity means equal outcomes provided by the state, and the state provides the lowest level outcomes. The state does not provide equal access and uh, the opportunities that capitalism provides. Capitalism provides uh, people work hard and therefore they're more invested in what they're doing whereas socialism is uh the state hands out everything and there's no reason to work well and they mm -hmm. rank you so this social this leads us into social scoring yes and let's let's go back to let me remind everybody that within the last couple weeks bank of america went in and took funds out of people's bank accounts 
So that's abhorrent. That's also part of what's built in called environment social governance scores, ESG, environment social governance. And when you look into that, businesses are embracing it as a great way to do business. However, people don't understand it's a social credit system. It eviscerates your freedoms. It subjects yeah. you to this governing body that knows better. Well, we're already there, by the way. That's part of what's going on in these elections because they are eroding the system to the point where it's, first of all, they have it so complicated, it's like a shell game, so you can't even track it. So what I want to do is when we come back from the break, I want to go into election integrity because that leads perfectly into that. And what we need to start to understand is the extent to which you have lost your power. Now, this is a tough conversation to have, but we got to start to get real about what's going on so that we are empowered to do something about it and take our country back because they're eating away at it little by little by little, one election at a time, leading us into what you just said, ESG. And the United Nations philosophically, I think initially was maybe a good idea, but it's, you know, the idea of being one planet, we love each other, you know, we nation to nation, we don't need to war, we just need to get along, let's use diplomacy, all of those things is lovely. Until such time as you come up with United Nations and their military starts running us, or the World Health Organization starts telling you, you have to take a jab that's going to kill you, potentially. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. I have Dana Schultz on the phone and Kat in studio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Jen Charlton Show. It is so great to be with you. And listen, it is a point in time that if we survive all this as a nation, and I hate to be the, the pessimist because I'm really an optimist at heart, but if we survive all this and our nation survives... We'll look back on this moment when we're teetering on a precipice. And as a patriot, that makes me cry. Like, how on earth did we get to the point where we're teetering on a precipice of our demise as a sovereign, free people? And globalism set aside, I have family in Sweden. I love Sweden. I love Europe. Love it. It doesn't mean that they should be like us or we should be like them. We are separate, and that's okay. Just like it's okay to be separate families. It's okay to be separate ethnicities. Celebrate your ethnicity. I don't believe in homogenizing. I believe in celebrating everybody's differences. So, but there are certain fundamental truths that we must uphold. So when we look at election integrity, and I want to welcome to the show Kat Harper, who is um, a patriot. She's been up here in the Frederick County area. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Kat. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Um, So I've actually only lived in Frederick for about a year now. Um, I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland, and then I lived in Montgomery for three years. Um, And I decided after COVID and the fiasco that that was in Montgomery that I really wanted to live somewhere a little bit more free, where maybe my vote had a a better shot of counting. Um, So Frederick County is is more purple right now. 
um, and I'm, I'm trying to work to keep it free. Excellent. Now, have you always been a Republican? Yes. Okay. So you lived in areas where that was not necessarily popular. Correct. Yes. What was much. it like to be a Republican in Prince George's County? Um, I mean, it could be pretty lonely, but I was able to make friends uh, with people of all political orientations that you kind of had to to survive. Um, and I'm, I'm not somebody who thinks that um, you can't be friends with people who live, you know, on the other side of the political aisle. Um, so I've had a lot of really good conversations with, you know, the few other conservatives I was able to find in those areas um, and with my liberal or moderate friends as well. Um, we bounce ideas back and forth. Um, and overall, I think it made me a stronger and more well-rounded person. Yeah, I agree. Now, I, have you seen a shift from the liberals that you knew? Are you seeing them maybe coming to our side and saying, yeah, I'm not really for the CRT. I'm not for, you know, um, some of the election stuff we're seeing. Have you seen a shift? Somewhat, yeah. And I think similar to what we're seeing on the right, on the left, there's a split between establishment left and anti-establishment left. So a lot of my friends um, who are moderates or registered as Democrats, I would categorize as more anti-establishment left. So while they might have some more progressive ideas, um, they are not necessarily in line with the Nancy Pelosi agenda um, or what I think we're about to see with the Westmore agenda. Good to know. So it's a good perspective. Now, so let's talk about election integrity, guys. So when we see these bills, what I see here is we have HB 22 and HB 35. So, Kat, would you please give us an overview of the House Bill 22 on signature ballot verification? Yes. So, HB 22 uh, has been introduced by Delegate Long. That bill is going to, if passed, make it so that we have to have signature verification on mail-in ballots. Um, As most of us know, after 2020, uh, we have basically no excuse mail-in voting And uh, the problem with that is, of course, it's much more difficult to verify a voter's identity. Um, So what many states have done is implemented some form of uh, signature verification so that we can match the identity of the person who sent in the ballot with a real person on the voter rolls. Um, Now, in Maryland, we don't have any verification of signatures. All we need is to see that there is some signature or mark present on the ballot envelope, um, and obviously, That's outrageous. I it, mean, anybody could do, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 100 of those. So I want to say something on that mail-in ballots. We know, we have the evidence, that on these voter rolls, what they're doing is misplacing a digit or a letter, creating a false address that mails out, gets returned, but still leaves that as a voter ID number, a number of value in the voting roll system. So if it's 100 South Main Street, they might say 100 South Marne Street. Now, Marne Street doesn't exist in Little Town, USA, but they create that address on a ballot, send it out. Of course, it's undeliverable. It comes back, but it creates an identity that could be used as a fake vote in the system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so people need to be aware that these are some of the strategies, fraudulent acts that are occurring that are causing the voter rolls to be inflated. Okay. Secondly, we know that there are many multiple 
address, uh, uh, individuals registered at, let's say, a two-bedroom apartment could have 20 people. That's physically impossible. It wouldn't be allowed. The apartment complex would never allow it. It doesn't pass zoning. However, it does apparently work for voting. We know that people are registered at laundromats and restaurants. Those are not legitimate resident homes. So that being said, signature ballot verification is critical to ensure that the individual is living and breathing and has the right to vote in the state of Maryland. Okay, next, HB 35. Yeah, HB 35 would basically just require an ID to vote in person. So Maryland is one of, I believe, only 13 states Um, to not require any form of identification to vote in person. Um, So what happens right now when you go to vote, you give your name, your address, and your date of birth, um, and they're able to pick you up in the voter rolls, um, and then you go and vote. So I was a provisional judge, actually, this past election because I really wanted to see kind of what this looked like on the inside. Um, And I think the obvious problem with the current process is that if, um, you know, you know somebody and you know where they live, you know their date of birth, which you can say is true for you know most people who have friends. They'll know that information. I would know that about my husband, obviously. Um, so it would be very easy to just walk in, give that information, um, and vote on that individual's behalf. Um, so we definitely need to have better protection against that, and what better way than the actual physical ID. So I went to the doctor yesterday, and we have new insurance as of last fall new enrollment period, blah, blah, blah. They would not see me pass the foyer for my fairly serious condition until I presented my new medical card and they verified it through the billing department that it was real. Mm-hmm. Right. And that I had the right to be cared for under that insurance policy. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't even let me in the door. Yeah. So the notion that we think ID is irrelevant is insane. It's nothing short of insane. It might even be traitorous. Right. And I think it's an even bigger problem now that we have so much information about us just floating around online. So in the example I gave, you could easily impersonate somebody that you knew. But at this time in history... All you would need to do is go online, um, put in a name, and you can get that information about people. You can find their address. You can find their date of birth. And so I think not um, enforcing an ID policy is even more dangerous now than it maybe was before. So one of the things that we know is I think that I could have the data wrong, so forgive me. Don't slaughter me on this. But I think it's like more than 90%-ish are registered to vote through the DMV, Department of Motor Vehicle. It's a very, very high number. It's like almost the only place people register to vote. Almost. What we know is now, we've discovered this, is that the DMV is assigning people a voter registration upon getting their license. So 16-year-olds are now registered to vote, but they can't vote. They're not allowed legally to vote until 18. But what does that do? For two years, that ID is sitting in the ERIC system available for use. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they pull down that number. Now, you guys got it. It's not a conspiracy theory. They have the evidence. Whether the corrupt Department of Justice will hear it, that's a whole other thing. But we know and we have evidence they are having these 
individuals in the voter system. And therefore, again, that ID, that number, everybody already has a voter number. You have one. Because when they print out that white shit, it has a voter number on there. They have to have a way to assign you in the system in some sort of a number system. And they have one. So this isn't like a voter ID number would have to be generated. It already exists. So when the Department of Motor Vehicle automatically puts these kids who can't vote into the voter system, that ID number is now available for misuse and abuse through whomever's pulling these levers. And I don't know who it is, but we are going to get to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. We are going to get to the bottom of it. I don't know if it'll be too late. But we are going to get to the bottom of who is involved in this fraud. I want to use an example right now because they actually overlap. And I'm going to tape, take us off of election integrity for a second. Um, and I have a friend calling in who's an expert on elections because she worked in an election office as the, de- the deputy. Okay, So she's going to talk to us in a minute. But I want us to set aside election integrity and talk about COVID because we just had a recent epiphany through Project Veritas. So huge shout out to James O'Keefe at Project Veritas. That guy is a hero. And all the people that they brought in as whistleblowers and who've gone undercover and have had these conversations with these nutcases who are trying to steal our country and who are traitors, make no mistake. They did an undercover. And if you haven't seen it yet, because it's blowing up all over Twitter, um, go on to Project Veritas, get the information about Walker from Pfizer, where he reveals their strategies because their public relations must have gone absolutely nuts. They released a statement yesterday, which to O'Keefe's credit and Project Veritas, they they posted on Twitter, Uh, which, by the way, we tried to search it on Twitter. Project Veritas, it said it's unsearchable right now. This is how corrupt things are. But if you can get to the information, there's a a video about Walker saying that they were essentially doing what gain they of call function it. research. Yeah. Well, the gain of function, but they called it uh, they call it directed evolution. Directed which evolution, is the same thing. Same thing. But just a rename that you know, you know, because the pig has lipstick doesn't make it not a pig. In this video, he reveals. Then in the second video, O'Keefe uh, confronts him. The point being that the lies are pervasive. So just because somebody tells you something, don't make it so. So in the election integrity piece, I want to just make sure I gave a shout out to Project Veritas because part of what we're dealing with in this election debacle is the COVID situation, circumstance laid the groundwork for these mail-in ballots. So they interlace and interface on the issues. Because we wouldn't be here on these mail-in ballots and the corruption that's ensuing because of it if it were not for COVID and, frankly, Governor Hogan locking down the state of Maryland. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, I think that's true throughout the country. We didn't see mail-in ballots at this scale before COVID. Um, And still, in other countries, you cannot vote by mail unless you have a legitimate reason to be an absentee. If you're military that's overseas, um, maybe if you're in the hospital and you're not able to leave your bed, Um, But other than that, even in um, European countries, which the left often uses as a model for us, 
um, they would never allow this loosey-goosey style of voting, um, especially not without signature verification. It's just unheard of. So ID, count at the jurisdictional uh, precinct precinct level, level. and that's it. Let's take control of our elections. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now great ice cream, great fun treats and sweet treats and, and toys and so forth. So stop by and get your favorite ice cream. We'll be right back. The Jen Charlton Show is brought to you in part by Flamingo Pool Supply, Industry Lane Frederick, the best for your pool today. Welcome back. Hi, Jen. Rasmussen has reported that 80% of Americans are concerned about election integrity. And this is also showing out in uh, the state of Maryland. The Republican turnout has decreased. However, the Democrat turnout has decreased even more, even with all of the mail-in ballots. Yeah, that's right, Dana. Actually, in I think the 2018 midterm election, um, compared to now, we've had a 16 percent decline in overall turnout. Um, And so if we're implementing all of these uh, loosened regulations to allow greater voter participation, then I think it's obviously failed and people are feeling that their vote won't count. Otherwise, they would be turning out more. Absolutely. So thank you for that comment, Dana. And I and I think that, you know, at some point the data doesn't comport. So let's say you have 100,000 voters, but you have 100 and in some cases 20,000 IDs, you know. The, the, in, typically, we've had a voter turnout of 45, 55 percent, maybe in a presidential at 65 percent. But these 80, 90, over 100 percent voter turnouts, it's it's not an anomaly. It's false. And, you know, we call these anomalies. They're not anomalies. There's something irregular that's criminal occurring that would have us having that. It's just not so for the reality of the data. You have to look at what is that data set. Okay, now we have Dale on the phone. Dale, welcome back. We just have a couple of minutes, um, and I wanted to make sure uh, you have an opportunity to speak. Dale is from a career in election processes. Can you talk a little bit about the hearing coming up on Tuesday, Dale? They're going to discuss on the House Ways and Means Committee. That's the hearing that I'm going to go uh, to. Um, they'll be discussing a few different bills that there are being proposed. Some have some merit to them. Others, I don't know why we're writing so many election bills. It's only making the process even more convoluted than it already is. And the more convoluted you make a process, the greater opportunity to uh, have that process infiltrated and uh, used for other purposes. So specifically, Um, we've been talking about HB 22, which is signature ballot verification um, entered in by Delegate Long, and HB 35 requiring an ID for in-person voting. Are you in favor of both of those bills? I'm in favor of the um, in-person ID, absolutely. What about signature ballot verification? What's your thought? Well, the other that bill that's already a requirement. If you get an um, well, it, at least it used to be when I was there. 
if you get an envelope in the mail that doesn't have any signature on it, that goes into a reject pile. That, that doesn't even get open. That's right, Dale. But what we're doing right now is we're just asking, like, is there a signature? It's not being checked against another record of that individual signature. So there's a requirement for signature, but there's not a requirement for signature verification. So that's uh, what HB... The, the nuance. Yeah, so the, why don't they just modify the existing law? That Then you don't have an issue. But I guess... We don't exactly. do things exactly, <laughs> right? You know, they keep, like I said, they keep writing new laws on top of laws on top of laws. Good point. You don't need that. You need to have more common sense about being a legislator and say, okay, well, we already have this law. Let's make sure that this signature matches. Now, we we were told when I was there that you know we're not signature experts, but I can guarantee you that you could tell whether or not. A person who signed an envelope for an absentee ballot was a valid signature or not. Well, well, isn't there also an issue around signatures being pre-printed by printers who are complicit yes, in and, the election fraud? And you should never allow that. You in other words, it's a computer signature. signature exactly so it's therefore not valid. You can't have a computer right. signature on, a, on an envelope, period. Yes, that is correct. Gotcha. Okay, so... Um, and, and in the day and age of, the, you know, the intel, uh, intel capacity we have at the level of IT, they should be able to determine if these are multiple uh, versions of the same signature. Uh, they should be able to see if it's reproduced multiple times. I mean, all of that should be easy. Dale, thank you so much for your comment. We'll have you back again on election integrity when we can have you on longer because you are my resident expert and I appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jen. Take care. Take care. I want to have Jamie Bren on. The next thing we're going to talk about is this education. In the last couple of minutes, it's very important that you all know that right now, the nonsense that's been going on with CRT and the sexualizing of our kids in the educational and through the educational system is currently a uh, implemented by our illustrious Board of Education. In other words, they have imposed that on the, the educational boards across the state. Now, they're trying to codify it, and there's a hearing on Wednesday. So you need to show up if you want to say something or just be present. There's a hearing that they're signing up for speakers on Monday. Welcome, Jamie. Moms for Liberty. Hi, oh, Hi. Good to have you back. So can you tell us in a minute what's going on with this hearing on Wednesday and how important is it and where do people go to sign up? So it is extremely important. House Bill 119, it's basically codifying the um, extremely awful health expanded uh, comprehensive sex education framework that the Maryland um, MSDE has adopted and then has been trying to push out to all the counties. And several counties are rejecting it and pushing back on it. So they decided to go ahead and try to get it codified into law. And um, the address to... Register for comments is the same one that was um, originally put up with your previous caller about the uh, Maryland legislative website. Um, it's that, House Bill 119. dot gov. So everybody, listen, we are at the top of the show, and I really appreciate, Jamie, you calling in. We are going to do a whole show on this education. There is no way they have the right to sexualize our kids. Currently, they've already modified COMAR, which is the state code, 
Now they're trying to codify it into law. Everybody, you're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. I want to thank Kat for being in studio. I want to thank all of our guests and all of you as patriots who are trying to save our country from the debacle and the decline that we are now in. It is so important that you get active, you get vocal, you show up, you testify, you write and contact your legislators at the state, local, and national levels. Enough is enough. we got to stop it here. This is your country. This is your community. And you have a right to say how it's going to go. No longer let these people run our lives. That's what I have to say about it. And you're listening to The Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. Have a great week.